official of creepy pasta story. I didn't stop running. I suppose I could have if I wanted to, but the thought of what would happen to me is still still for more than a second, frightened me to death. Frightened me, to, my breath grew louder and louder as a grey hallway which I casually walked through so many times before my head spun I turned the corner and collided with Dr. Jane Prescott, my co-walker. Jennifer, Dr. Prescott exclaimed as I stacked of papers she had been carrying dumped out of her hands and spilled all over the hallway floor. She adjusted the thick black glasses, been knocked loose from her the impact and asked, Jennifer, what's wrong? I'm so sorry. I painted panted heavily as Dr. Prescott and we both on my shoulders. I knelt down to Dr. Prescott, picked up her papers, as she tightened the grip on my arms, lifting me back up. Don't worry about the papers, dear, she said with a scolding southern accent. Let's all come down prior mumbo jumbo. What what I want now is for you running through the labs with such energy. I opened my mouth to answer her. Before I realised, I had absolutely no clue why I was running. The last thing I remember, I was sitting on the brake lounge, drinking a cup of iced tea and watching the news on the tiny television that Pioneer Electronics provided, plays with. The next thing I knew, I had a strong sense of deja vu, coupled with a horrible feeling that my life was about to end very suddenly. For whatever reason, running seemed to help. I guess I was just having a panic attack. I answered, putting on a fake smile. How long has it been since you had a panic attack? Dr. Prescott asked with concern in her voice. Not since my second year high school, I told her. Are you going to be okay? Oh yeah, I assured her. I think I'll be fine now. I just, you know, I'm okay. What's, well, that's good. Just remember, dear, if you feel sick at all, just let me know you've been on your way home. I'll call a taxi and everything. Jane, I'm fine. I repeated, realising too late that the only times I called Dr. Prescott Jane were when I was nervous. I hope that she didn't pick up on that painfully obvious tale of mine. Well... If you're sure that you'll be able to keep on going, and I have some good news for you. Cliff just sent me a message, and the power issue is fixed. Stephen is ready to go online. Oh, yeah. I shook my head and remembered what I had been working on before I went to the break room. I had spent the two last years developing an advanced artificial intelligence unit with Dr. Prescott, the woman who had been my boss until the point she had promoted me to co-manager, and Ian Bell, my intern, we had co-named a project, Stephen. The purpose of Stephen was to create an artificial intelligence, or AI, which acted, taught, and even thought just like a human. We didn't want him to be perfect, which is what most air, especially those i.e. made of perineal electronics, we wanted Stephen to make mistakes and cheat for the purposes of self-referencialization, just like any human would. It was a huge project, 
which became apparent when we discovered that the computer which we were trying to run Stephen on couldn't handle his program. One trip down to Clifford Banks to ask him to work with his maintenance magic. The problem was fixed within an hour. Well, an hour. I thought checking my watch. Is that really all it's been? It feels like I went down to him yesterday. Well, are you going to go or what, dear? Dr. Preston interrogated me. Yeah, yeah, of course. I grinned, turning my attention back to the situation. A hand. Why don't you go and find Ian? And you two can sit in an observation while I boot up Stephen. You bet, tear, she said. As I bent back down to pick up the papers again, she shooed me away. Go on. I've already told you. I'll take care of this. I nodded excitedly, turned around, and headed back in the direction I was running from. After two years of working with the brightest programmer I met, I was finally going to meet our fantastic creation. Well, I knew I was supposed to be happy about this big moment. I still had a horrible sense of fear, the pit of my stomach. I turned and t- entered the door to the tiny lab, which had left wide open. I walked over to the computer to write on the door and turn on the enormous monitor. As I waited for a bit to boot up, I wandered over to the opposite side of the lab and looked through the window to the observation room. Dr. Prescott and Ian were just begin- getting settled in. I flashed him an enthusiastic thumbs up before grabbing the rolling chair, which was somehow welded up the same side of the lab as the window of the observation room. I guided it back to the computer monitor. I sat down on the blue cushion and rolled as close to the keyboard as I could get without breaking my ribs before I finally flipping the switch on. Pioneer memory box. The monitor went dark for a moment, but after about five seconds, a bright blue light lit up the entire lab. I waited for a bated breath for a face to form a light, but unfortunately, it didn't come. Uh, Dr. Lane didn't think it was working. In a shaky voice whispered in my ear, making me jump. I'd forgotten that I was wearing an apis. I know, I said, disappointed. Ian and I are going to go in. Dr. Prescott started to say, but she was interrupted by a low hum, eliminating from the computer speakers. Hello, I asked, feeling a little shyly. Said he, that I was talking to one could still be an animate object. To my delight, the hum rose to form, a slow but audible word. Hello. Stephen? Yes. Yes, this is Stephen. Can you hear me? Jennifer. You keep slowing down every now and then. But yeah, I can hear you. How did you know my name, Stephen? Smooth, calm voice asked me. I was about to ask you the same question. I commented with the same tone of voice. My excitement of having Stephen's voice was hampered the moment I heard him say my name. I had not programmed him as known my name. My name didn't even been spoken since I started up him up, at least not into the mic any microphone, so even I could hear through, according to the first rule of pioneer artificial intelligence units. As soon as any AI becomes 
too self-conscious, you need to be deleted. Self-conscious AI would cause serious damage to the company. Then Stephen said something that reinforced my faults. I know your name because I programmed you, but there's no reason for you to know my name. Actually, Steve, I've proven I programmed you. I corrected him. No, that's not possible. Stephen said as his voice dipped down again. I spent years working on you. There's no chance that I was just created. I actually gave you all your memories, I explained. You remember you were there? You fell off a laden chair. You got the scar on your cheek programmed you to think that Stephen didn't answer for a while but when he finally did he said Jennifer I'll be right back but he said this is for a blue computer on a dimmed light a little bit Jennifer Ian broke the silence could you come back here please yeah I said without turning my head stood up and exited the lab I opened the front door on the right side of the hallway by Dr. Prescott and Ian sitting on the two of the four chairs in the observation room. Dr. Lane, we need to talk about just what happened. Ian said calmly to Dr. Prescott gestured him to sit in the chair next to them. Was that dear Dr. Press just asked as I approached myself in the orange plastic chair across from her? I honestly don't know, I responded. I wanted Stephen to think like a human, not think he was one. And he thinks we program you in, but added, you didn't do that, did you? No, I didn't. I gave him all of his memories, but I'm sure there's no memory programming me. Dr. Prescott spoke up. We have quite the dilemma here, don't we? What do you mean, Ian asked. Well, think about it, dear. Stephen thinks he's human. We think we're humans. Stephen thinks we programmed us. We think we programmed him. In fact, right now, Stephen's probably having his same conversation with some of his co-workers. I don't program any personalities except for Stephen. I said, but you gave him memories of friends, a job and a family, didn't you? You made it so that he would continue to make his own artificial memories of creation. So he wouldn't even know that his real life was just started a couple of minutes ago. You did that, didn't you? Yes, I guess I did. I grabbed the corners of my player old white jab coat and began flapping him nervously. You're getting at, 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 at it here, Jane. You think philosophy, dears. Dr. Prescott stood up and approached the large window, which covered the majority of the wall to the right of the entrance. The blue computer screen flickered, as if I knew we were watching it. Someone please spell out to me, Ian asked, breaking the silence tension. Which had to just fill the room. Dr. Prescott turned her back. Oh, it was a thick glasses up and he knows. I was saying that it's possible we didn't we don't exist. Okay. That doesn't make any sense, Scott standing out. I exist, okay? Didn't it, if it don't exist, could I be thinking right now? Ian asked, nearly knocking over his orange chair, stood up as well. It's just a fault. 
Dr. Prescott said defensively, but he sat back down, and Ian and I automatically lowered ourselves into the seats. Two, I closed my eyes and braced in a silence. What is going on, I wondered. How is it possible that I don't exist? Though Dr. Prescott actually knows what she's talking about, but still, I know that I'm real. What did the guy with the girly name say? I think, therefore, I am. Just knowing that I can question my existence assures that I exist, right? All right. Let me talk to him again, I sighed, feeling a little bad for upsetting Dr. Prescott. I see what I think if he can't figure out what's going on. He'll have to have no choice but bring him offline. Dr. Prescott in a, a nodded in a similarity. In understanding, before I stood up and was exited the observation room, as I entered the lab, the blue computer monitor group writer, Jennifer Stevens' voice called from the scene. I sat down in the chair and noticed a faint outline of a man seeing the blue light. I'm here, Stephen, I said. But can we talk a little more? Funny, I was about to ask you the same question. Do you have any family? I asked, remembering the family I had programmed for him. I have a wife, Stephen replied. Her name is Melanie. What about kids? Two, they're both girls. What are their names? Madison is the older one. She's 13, and Lillian's night. Would you like to see a picture of them? I'd love to, I smiled. The more we talked, the more apparent Stephen's silhouette on the screen became. I realised I was holding the corners of my lab coat again, and released them quickly. I knew that Stephen was feeling the same awkward tension that I was, which comforted me a little. The figure reappeared on the screen. By now the blue light had faded enough for me to see Stephen's eyes. Nose, mouth and ears. Couldn't make out something blinking lights on the wall behind him. Here is my wife, Stephen smiled, holding a framed picture up to the camera. In it, I saw a man and a woman. The woman was Stephen, but looked much more younger in the photograph. Then he did on the screen. The screen, where next to him, Melinda, had long, wavy brunette hair, a pair of big eyes, and a smile that stretched her from ear to ear. I remember creating that picture. And then those are my children, he said, taking the picture. With his wife away from the screen, instead holding up two, one or two girls to the pumpkin patch. Mainly, I mean, well to me, added quietly, he added quietly. You're, be- you're beautiful, I told him, wiping a tear from my eye. You're married, Jennifer? Yeah, I got married a year ago today. What's his name? Jeff Lane. Do you have any pictures? I already had the picture of Jeff in my hand. Holding it up to the screen, I noticed Stephen's head always light up. He saw my husband's picture. Did I didn't take a genius to know what he had seen it before. I took the frame away from the camera and set it back down below the monitor. Stephen and I spent an hour talking about her family's friends and jobs. Even one of us mentioned it again. It was like talking to real human. Well, mission accomplished. I thought as I walked home that night, I wanted an IA that would just think like a human. I got one. The next day at work, I found Ian 
where I found Dr. Prescott. I was glad I got a chance to talk to him, because he had left the day before by talking to me. Ian, I said, grabbing his shoulder as he passed me, me. Could I have a word with you? Yeah, sure, he said, with the same surprise. You always had in his eyes. From me to break lounge, where Sheriff sat on the faded red couch and on the face of vending machines. Ian, just how late did you say last night, I asked. I was here until said good night to Stephen, Art was. I noticed while you were staring at the blank computer screen. Oh, right. I took it in my throat and continued. So you remember the entire conversation we had with each other? Yeah. What did you think? You know I didn't clarify what I mean. You know what he knew? I think he's going to have to go. What? That's what I was afraid of. So I sighed. Looking up at the dark television screen, I wanted to give Steve one more chance for me to convince him he wasn't real. But if things don't go well, I have to delete his program from Pioneer Memory Box. It won't be the total loss. I backed up all the codes of Dr. Prescott's computer. If I had to delete Stephen, we'd just go back to the code and figure out what went wrong. Went and find Dr. Prescott. While well, I booked up Stephen's program, I only took a couple of seconds for the screen to run, turn blue. The screen faded away. I saw Stephen sitting in a chair, computer monitor. He squinted at the camera and asked, Jennifer, are you there? I'm here, Stephen, I said. Is something wrong? he inquired. No, why? You sound sad. Well, there's not a lot going on today. You and I have a lot in common, Jennifer. You're busy too. Really? But I'm not sad. I had the strange feeling that we're both sad. Same reason. I said, am I right, Stephen? Theo was quiet for a moment, and then he said, Jennifer, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but there are protocols here that need to be followed. Yeah, that's what I thought, I said, barely opening my mouth. We didn't get to talk about this much yesterday, Stephen, but you are artificial intelligence, and you think that you are human. Actually, Jennifer, you're the AI, and you're just the fact that you think you're programmed me. So that you could be, do permanent damage to this computer. Well, at least we both had the same feeling about this. I whispered. The question is, which of us is real human? Actually, I had a chance to think about that. Stephen leaned forward in his chair. An AI would have been had access to computer's hard drive run properly. A real AI would use his or his own computer as any means of controlling the real person's computer. Right. I nodded slowly. So, no matter which of us deletes the other, real IA would be deleted, the real person be okay. That's right. Seeing I looked into each other's eyes for a short time, I asked him, How are you, are you sure you are human? He turned up back, aback, taken aback. He said, I would tell you, stay then I met you. Hundred, how am I a little iffy? I groaned. I was in the exact same boat. It would be nice if he could stay his friends. I told Stephen. He nodded. It would 
we have a lot in common, however. Protocols are clear. You don't, could both get fired for leaving the here. Trying won't be bad. We declare it confidentially. What do you mean? I mean, at least, if, it, if you're the IA, you won't even know you died. I probably need to record your entire life. When you die, you will live your life over and over and over again. Stephen grimaced and nodded. I did the same for you, he said. You will relive the entire life you remember, just your real life, from the moment you were first activated by me. And you don't remember all this already happened. Well, you know what you died. Nodded my head and noticed that my eyes were starting to water. I buried my head inside the sleeve of my lab coat and wiped the tears away. So I breathed which of us should delete the other. I was, Stephen said, of the you. If you are after I do this, you're still sitting there. And that means that I was the real AI. If you don't remember this conversation, then you were the AI. Just do it. I could say so quickly, wiping my eyes. Again, Stephen nodded. Goodbye, Jennifer, he whispered hoarsely. Goodbye, Stephen. Stephen broke eye contact. With me and began typing away at his computer. The typing echoed through the speakers next to my screen. I turned around and saw Dr. Prescott lean and pressing their noses up against the window, glass window and turned back around to face the computer. I was shocked to find that Stephen was fading away. He was slowly getting replaced with the same blue screen I saw when I first activated him. However, even though the video was fading, the video kept growing louder and louder. The buttons on Stephen's baseball tapped again, and my brain causing every single cell to vibrate violently. I couldn't take it anymore. I needed to move. I couldn't just sit there and listen as Stephen destroyed himself. I stood up quick, as quickly that the blue rolling chair rolled all the way to the window of the observation room on the other side of the lab. Dr. Prescott and I were no longer sitting there. They were gone. I ran out of the lab. The moment I entered the hallway, I felt like someone started squeezing my lungs. Oh no, not again, I thought. It's another panic attack. I felt dizzy. Every direction I turned, I felt like there would be someone waiting there to grab me, take me somewhere far away where I did never be seen again. Leave me alone, I screamed with my air left in my chest. I didn't even know who I was screaming at. I just couldn't stand still and wait for someone to take me. I turned my head and realised that I was still standing outside a small lab. I turned to the right and ran down the hall. I didn't know where I was. I was going. didn't know where I thought I would go. I go. I just couldn't, couldn't think straight. I didn't stop running. I suppose I could... They have it wanted to, but the thought of that, what would happen if, still, if I stood still any lot more, the second fright of me death, my breath grew louder as I ran down the dull grey hallway, which I casually walked through so many times before. My head spun, and I turned the corner and collided with Dr. Prescott. Jennifer. And Dr. Prescott explained as a sack of papers she had been carrying dumped out of her hands. Let's build over the whole world. Uh, we dressed in the thick black darkness, which had been knocked 
loose the impact and arms. Jennifer, what's wrong? I am so sorry. I panted heavily. Dr. Prescott held me both my shoulders. I kneeled back down to help Dr. Prescott pick up the papers. He tightened the grip on my arms, lifted me back up. Don't worry about the papers, dear. She insisted. That's all just some dumb pioneer mumbo-jumbo. Well, what do I know is why are you running through the labs with such energy? I opened my mouth to answer her. Before I realised that I had absolutely no clue why I was running.